Imagine nobody's listening right now, okay? It's just you and me. <laughs> oh, I'm a little uncomfortable with what's going on. No, no, no. Come out of your mouth. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. So here's the situation. You sleep with a hot lady. Subsequently, you find out that after sleeping with you, she had to commit murder to regain human form. Not only that, this will happen every time you sleep with her from now until forever. Each sexual experience will result in the loss of a human life. My question is, how many more times do you sleep with her after learning this? <laughs> Clearly, the moral answer is none. Yeah, but what's your answer? That's what I want to know. Um, I don't know. I w- it would at least be two and you're, you're willing on... to sacrifice one more life <laughs> yeah, for yeah, seconds. Yeah, it'd be okay. two. It'd be two. How about you? What was your answer? Oh, there's no number. You just keep doing it. No, because because as soon yeah. as you commit it once, it's just oh, on yeah. forever. No, I just think you, you just keep going back. I would never. But you know what I do? <laughs> I, I try to get her to kill only bad people. You know, murderers, oh, rapists. So this is like a Dexter scenario. Exactly. The monsters of society. People who don't use their turn signals or drive the speed limit in the fast lane. That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are both horrible. Actually, driving makes me more angry or likely to murder than most things. So there you go. We found a solution here. Welcome yeah. to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. <laughs> I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing Cat People, the erotic thriller from 1982, which is actually a remake of a movie from 40 years earlier. What? Yeah, you know what's even more surprising? It's kind of about the same thing. Oh my God. (laughs) Jesus. It's such a strange and uh, I'm not going to say wonderful, but like unique experience watching this film. I think I could almost call it wonderful. I don't know. I was like really in a state of wonder while watching it. I was full of wonder. I was confused uh, yeah. if that's the same thing. Yeah. I didn't know if I needed to know more. Sometimes I had questions I wanted answers, but most of the time I just was curious why this got made. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's the real question with a lot of the movies that we watch and this one in particular. We're going to go through all of the uh, ups, downs and you know, ins and arounds of this one. And ins and outs. Ins and, <laughs> some ins yeah. and outs for sure. Uh, but first, as always, we have paired this movie with a beer. And I have to admit, this is perhaps not the strongest beer connection we've ever come up with. But what do we what do we have going today? We have got a beer from the Kitchissippi Beer Company. Um, I think I pronounced that right. They're uh, out of Ottawa. Seems like Ottawa is producing a lot of beer we're drinking for this podcast. There's a ton of fucking craft breweries in Ottawa, which is yet another reason why Ottawa is great. <laughs> I mean, I do love Ottawa. I have tons of family there. I go back and visit almost every summer. So definitely a place to go to for great beer. Uh, Kitchissippi means the Great River. It was actually what the Ottawa River was named before the city of Ottawa was created. Well, Canadian history lesson today yeah. for uh, for any of our listeners who are from out of country. Look at that. Yeah, 1855, I think it changed over. So really, really long time ago. Um, this one is called the Cheshire Cat Pub. So uh, obviously this might be better with an Alice in Wonderland style movie. <laughs> this beer is named after a friend of the brewery or a pub that's a friendship of the brewery. It was a collaboration. It's a Pilsner, so you're going to love that. Oh, yeah. Yes, please. It's going to be good. This place is a family-run place. It's been around since 2010. They got all kinds of stuff. I love that they say they're only for the positive vibes. They're a safe space. So That's you know. exactly like us. Well, <laughs> we're all about the positive vibes. I think the space is pretty safe. Yeah, they have some cool stuff. Um, they got stouts, alt beers. They also have one called the Sasquatch's Shadow. Okay. I mean, that would have been good for our Night of the Demons. Oh, way back in season one. Yeah, I thought that would have been a good connection too, but we found yeah. a good beer to go with that one. Sure we did. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> was, another stretch. God damn it. Well, we're doing our best here. Let's crack into it and uh, see if we enjoy a bit of this Cheshire Cat. Absolutely. Let's do it. 
We begin with the sound of swirling winds, which eventually gives way to the pulsing intro of the David Bowie theme song. Now, we don't get this whole song now. It's kind of more of a slow build. And while this is happening, we see red sand blowing off of what ends up being several human skulls. A cut takes us to a profile of a jungle cat set against the desert sun. And I guess we're in the past or something. Did I see cavemen? The fuck is going on here? Yeah, it. I felt for a second here maybe we're watching some kind of post-apocalyptic movie. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty clear now that we're in the past. Everyone is wearing kind of like just animal furs. There are definitely cave paintings, um, mostly depicting cats. And we also have a woman or a girl, I think, being taken away and tied to a leafless tree. Yeah, and she's led there by a group of bespotted people. They've like painted kind of leopard spots in their body, some kind of cat worshippers, no doubt. They do tie her to a tree, and that night... The same jungle cat we saw earlier spots her, stalks up, gets up on its hind legs, and bangs her up against the tree. Is that how I interpret it? <laughs> so this is really weird. I'm already starting off with a lot of questions. I guess we mentioned this kind of in the intro, but like, why are they tying her to the tree? Is this getting S&M already? Like the way they tie her up, it looks like we're getting into... Uh, yeah, I think you just answered your own question. That's exactly what they're tying her to the tree. It's clearly some kind of sacrifice, but not in the giving your life sense. But I think it is. It's no, weird. but the next day we see her the next day. I think it's a different woman. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's that same woman. So this was weird to me, and this was part of my confusion, because the woman does not look worried. She also doesn't look excited. But the cat looks like it gets up and almost, like, kisses her. It stands on its back legs and puts its head up near her face. But later in the movie, they kind of explain that the cats ate people. So I, I feel like here she was being sacrificed. They were feeding her, but that doesn't connect with some of the other stuff. Wait, that and who's the woman the next day that they bring in? The next morning, they bring some woman who makes deep, deep eye contact with the same cat. So is this just another woman they're bringing in here to eat? Yes. Okay, can we agree on this at least? We're about three minutes into this movie, and we're both just thoroughly confused. Oh, it's fucking batshit. Yeah, already, okay. already, <laughs> there's like no sense to this. And it's not going to get explained very much quicker here. We go to that cave, like you said. Yeah, and this lady stares deep into that cat's eyes. And then her face kind of dissolves into the face of our main character, Irina, who is played by the smoldering Nastasia Kinski. Yeah, you have fond uh, things to say about her, huh? You inferred that from my introduction to this movie? Where you said yeah. you would yeah, have sex with her to infinity so that uh, <laughs> a million people would die? I didn't say a million people would die. Put it this way, the loss of human life, much like in when we watched Life Force in our first season, the loss of human life is not going to deter me from continuing to have sex with this lady. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, regardless, when we meet her, she's in the airport having just landed in New Orleans. And after a slow walk through the terminal, she's about to make a phone call when a well-dressed man walks up and stops her from dialing. He introduces himself as Paul, it's Malcolm McDowell, and we get the impression that her visit was perhaps arranged by him. And I'm really curious what the pretense was that he lured here under, because I'm pretty sure it wasn't incestuous cat sex. <laughs> Although it comes off like that's his intention really quickly here. Yeah, they don't, they don't spend a lot of time where he builds her trust. They kind of just get right into it. Yeah, he already appears incredibly creepy, right? He, like, sneaks up on her. I thought it was a relationship. Like, immediately, the kind of way he is um, acting towards her, I felt like they already had a physical relationship. We find out very quickly that they're brother and sister. Yeah, that's why I said incestuous. In the next scene, we do find that out. But they were separated some time ago after their parents' death. Now, Paul brings Irina home and introduces her to his housekeeper, whose name is Famale. They sit down to eat, and Irina tries to tell him about what her life has been like with her adopted parents. He immediately shifts the focus to himself, though, and we get an exchange that pretty quickly gives us an idea of what the tone of this movie is going to be. 
What did they tell you about me? Well, not much. I mean, I knew I had a brother, but I was only four. Hmm. I used to fantasize about you when I was in the orphanage. Is it me or does he sound a bit too excited by her phrasing there? Oh, he is incredibly excited. You can see his boner popping up from above. <laughs> the, yeah, oh it's yeah. Not, it's rough. True. He is immediately ready to bang his sister and it's out of nowhere and it's really confusing. I guess we figure because she was in an orphanage, their parents died and they were separated. We don't have a lot of info though and she kind of is about to head to bed. Yeah, this this creepy thing gets even creepier in a second as he takes her upstairs where he's got a surprise waiting for her. Now, it's not a black leopard yet, but rather a collection of mask costumes and various pieces of circus equipment. See, when they were younger, they used to dream of joining the circus and would even practice. He reminds her of all this while standing way too close to her and smelling her hair. Yeah, it's really, really fucked up. The whole relationship, they have this creepy song when they're doing the juggling practice too, and it's... Also getting kind of strange. And then she decides she's going to go to bed. And what does he do? Well, that night as she's sleeping peacefully, Paul shares a knowing look with the housekeeper before slinking up the stairs and entering her room. And if you think that sounds creepy, why don't you tell everyone what he does next, Noel? He stares at her for an uncomfortably long time and then transitions to the end of her bed by hopping up like a cat. Yeah, he jumps up onto a fucking table or something in the most cat-like way I've ever seen a human move. And it is simultaneously impressive and fucking hilarious. Yeah, I actually laughed my ass off when he made that move. Yeah. I was just like, this movie is fucked, but that is hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I was trying to remember where I... New Malcolm McDowell from Clockwork Orange, and that was yeah. It yeah. took me a while that or Star out Trek me. Generations. I guess Clockwork Orange really is the movie like I know him best from. Yeah, um, but that creepiness of the character from there kind of comes through on this. Like he's able to pull this off pretty quickly. Like he's doing a good job. Yeah, yeah I see oh, what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, we cut from that extremely thirsty look to a lady walking the dimly lit streets. She enters a hotel where we immediately learn that a she's a pro. And B, she's late for her appointment. This dude's been waiting for 45 minutes. But it seems like he's been busy based on the handful of off-color sp she finds on the bed. <laughs> yeah, she comes in, immediately apologizes, and starts stripping down. She starts running through the cost of various activities. She proceeds to go into his wallet and start taking money out even before any activities have begun. And that's when she notices this really gross... Um, I don't know. It has to look it's like viscous. mucus it's and not, hair. Yeah, it's not a solid. Yeah. It's not a liquid really either. All over the bed. And she's kind of touching it when we get a really hilarious puppet claw appearing from under the bed. <laughs> yeah. This effect is not great. I guess that uh, stuff was actually some kind of like leopard drool or something because she's pulled under the bed and lightly mauled. Now she ends up getting away and manages to crawl down the stairs while screaming for help. We get an extreme close-up of her terrified face, but not before her top pops open for good measure. What do you think there? Nice touch or what? <laughs> I mean, it added to the laugh factor. Yeah. I wonder how he it, the uh, panther mauled her leg and also popped her bra at the same oh, time. Oh, her bra's on. She lands. She falls on the bottom of the stairs, and when she hits the ground, it just pops open. Oh, out. I missed that. I thought she came down the stairs oh. full out already. No, I didn't that, see that. Oh. oh, that's too bad because that was really fucking funny. Oh, damn. I just thought it was a hilarious touch that the panther popped her top. But no, no. That was, that was, I just pictured the director off camera with a little string and when she lands, he like yanks it and it pops <laughs> open. And it was a, a front opening bra too, which was hilarious. 
Yeah, is. front class. Yeah, there go. yeah, that was good. Um, her somebody help me as she's like falling down the stairs was really really poor. I'm guessing she got hired more for the bra pop than her line delivery. Do you think so? I didn't think she was a particularly attractive lady. I think you could have got a better set of actors. <laughs> I mean, she was willing to do that, right? And yes. at the cost that they were they're there. She was not there to deliver great lines. You know what? There aren't too many women in this movie who don't show their boobs, actually, now that I think about it. It's true. Almost all of them do go So 10 us. enjoyable for you, you're saying. <laughs> Been a while since we dusted off the old... Uh, uh, the old love, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That one fell down, uh, rightfully so. That was uh, a fun narrative that you threw out there for a while. It's the truth. <laughs> and it's back. You can't keep the truth away. So anyway, it turns out that the guy running this hotel went to the same hospitality school as that perv from Nightmare Beach. He's got cameras installed in the room, which is why he knew to call animal control the next day. He's got footage of the leopard and everything, so they send a whole team in. John Hurd is running the show with Ed Bagley Jr. and a couple of others there for backup. And after a bit of excitement, they manage to subdue the leopard, but not before it somehow sends a psychic message to Nastasia Kinski. Yeah. She, she bolts up in the night having sensed something. It was really weird. And that was at the point that it got tranquilized that that happened. It had broken glass and we'd had John Hurd hanging from a ladder. And the sort of jaguar scream woke her up. And that's when you're like, oh, it's Paul. I didn't realize cats could communicate across great distances by their fucking... <laughs> what I didn't understand was why in this scene, like reflecting back on it, why had he transformed into the Panther? Because he clearly banged somebody. Who did he bang? Some other hooker? I have no clue. I don't understand, right? Like yeah. this to me was my question. Like, did he j off and does that also count? No, clearly not. It's got to be full. Sorry, clearly it doesn't count. He probably did j off. You know, it's a last longer. <laughs> so you don't think it counts? Who has sex on their way to see a hooker? Well, that's right. I don't understand. Yeah. Like I, he somehow got off, um, but I don't understand how. So the, the rules around when and how people turn from cat to human, like there are rules, but they don't really seem like they stick to them. They seem very flexible. So so we've got some major continuity issues with the f cats. The, exactly. Okay. The rules of the fucking universe are not exactly being adhered to. But the next morning, Irina is very concerned about Paul. She can't shake the feeling that something happened to him, but she doesn't get a lot of sympathy from the housekeeper, so she heads out on her own to explore the city. She doesn't find him even after paying a visit to the church where he works. There's a weird, like, religious subplot to this. And the whole day is looking like a bust until she notices the zoo and feels herself inexplicably drawn to it. And you'll never believe it, Noel, but she's particularly transfixed by the black leopard. Aww. Turns out the guy who came to, well, John Hurd, uh, I think Oliver is his character name, was actually the head of the zoo. Like, he's the curator, the one who brings all the animals back. Yeah, he's the head zookeeper. There is a manager or a couple people above him that we meet very soon. He's got some pay people, but I think he's the one who kind of manages all the animals that are there for sure. Um, but yeah, it is the panther from the day before, and Irina is, like, locked on it. So much so that she gets out a sketchbook and sketches it until dark. Yeah, well, while John Hurt is having it out with one of those money guys that you mentioned, played, by the way, by a pre-Night Court John Cat, his team chimes in with a humorous discovery. Looks like we have a gourmet leopard on our hands. He threw up in the cage. Joe found pizza in the vomitus. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> Leopards eat pizza? Well, they're scavengers. He probably raided a garbage can before he went to the massage parlor. Doesn't look like he went there out of hunger. Maybe he was horny. Always a possibility. <laughs> they have no idea. <laughs> 
Actually, this is kind of fun writing in that sense. The pizza was definitely what confirmed if you didn't already know that it was Paul, right? Like that it was a human turned into a cat. We we already made that connection, but they're just making sure that we know what's going on here. Yeah, well, anyone who went to see this movie must have known. You must have seen the trailer. Unless you just literally walked in and were like, cat people, hey? In which case, you got treated to two hours. That must have fucking blown your mind. We've already... (laughs) So yeah, yeah. as you mentioned, she's still there long after the zoo is closed and after this exchange with the zoo team. So I guess in addition to proper animal care, the zoo can't afford security either. Uh, John Hurd sees her and goes to see what she's doing, but she has the classic drop everything you're holding and run away, which like she wasn't holding that much. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have slowed her down. But he gives chase, and in what is probably the most hilarious moment of the movie so far, we get a point of view shot of her jumping up into a tree complete with a big whooshing noise. That's just silly. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. And she flies up there like a cat climbing a tree, right? Well, We're we see her these. up in there, and she's just like, oh God, I can't even explain uh, it. John Hurd or the Oliver character comes up, and he's like, how did you get up there so quickly? And then he has to help her down, or she kind of refuses his help, but he gets her down to the ground, and he's like, what the fuck's up? Yeah, he's understandably intrigued by her distinct blend of mysteriousness and being hot in the face. So he takes her back to his office and immediately starts flirting with her. And I guess her blood was really pumping after that tree jump because she asked him out to dinner. Yeah, this is really weird. He jokes about getting girls all the time or getting them excited, which is pretty funny. But in a self-deprecating way, he's a fucking, he looks, he's John Hurd. He looks like John Hurd. John Hurd is not a fucking lady killer. Yeah, I just think of him as the dad from Home Alone. Like that's the, everyone does. Yeah. He's got a very dad vibe, so for sure. Uh, she's joking about her metabolism, but uh, they decide to head out. We find out that she's a vegetarian. So it naturally, it tastes her for oysters. Yeah, <laughs> I was super confused. So they immediately head to the seafood restaurant. Yeah, um, I guess she's allowed to eat things from the sea, um, but she's not allowed to eat things from the land. Um, so they go out for oysters, and then. While they're on this oyster date, and I guess the romantic juices are flowing from the oysters, we hear it's an aphrodisiac, he offers her a job at the zoo. Yeah, so she reveals that she's looking for work. I guess maybe that's why she came to New Orleans in the first place. And he does end up pulling some strings and getting her a job at the zoo. He mentions the pay is shit, but she likes being around the animals. And as we see when she goes out for a drink after work with Alice, the female member of the zoo crew, the animals like being around her. Dudes are just hitting on her like it's their job. And what we quickly find out... Too quickly, I feel, on your first time out with a coworker, is that she is a virgin. <laughs> this was divulged rather quickly. Is it the second thing she says to this lady? Yeah, she doesn't know Alice at all. You're definitely giving Alice a bit of a, a short uh, straw here. Yeah, she is much cuter and more attractive than you are, are saying here. You're kind of dismissive of the Alice character, I feel. I found her very plain. I should have immediately identified her as like, oh, Noel's going to find her more attractive than Nastasia Kinski. She's got a very Nolan vibe. Like... Cute and not dangerous, and turning into a cat when you f her. <laughs> well, you, you, you don't really, you don't really swim in the crazy pond, but uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, okay, that's fair. Um, so they are on these drinks. It's weird. They start talking about sexual history really soon, right? Really quickly. We find out she's a virgin. I guess that's good because she's never turned into a panther and had to kill yet. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's really funny. But in the bar is this weird lady who kind of talks to her and. Says something in French that turns out to say my sister. Yeah, regardless of what you think, there is clearly something about Nastasia Kinski here. Dudes are hitting on her. This strange lady comes up. And the next day at the zoo, we also see the leopard responding very strangely to her. It growls aggressively and starts running back and forth in its cage when she gets close. But, you know, it could be worse. It could have bitten her fucking arm off like it does to Ed Bagley Jr. 
this was hilarious. So I was kind of confused. I think they wanted to hose down the Jaguar or they were trying to like get it under control using the water to do that. That wasn't working. So he got a taser. And then we have this really awful scene of when he tries to tase the Jaguar, but it gets his arm and it barely has a hold of it. And all of a sudden it tears it off at the shoulder. Yeah, that part was absurd. Like nothing a Jaguar could do to a human would sever an arm so perfectly exactly at the shoulder joint, but that's what we get. And it was hilarious. The body falls down and he's pretty much toast immediately. Like he bleeds out real quick. They have this very artistic shot of uh, Natasha Kinski's shoes. She's standing near the drain and the blood is sort of swirling around and getting on her white shoes. That's a nice shot. Yeah, it was kind of a cool shot. I'm struggling to f- like figure out what the tone or style of this movie is. Like, I know it's supposed to be a kind of sexy thriller, but they're giving me a ton of horror vibes. Yeah, it's kind of a weird mishmash of like erotic fantasy and horror. With But again, that stuff in the past was almost like, I almost got like sci-fi vibes. Yeah from it with the lighting and the the weird tribal stuff i don't know yeah so i'm I'm having trouble placing it it's funny after this moment i write down that it's been a pretty tame 45 minutes i don't know why that was to me but i felt like it had taken a long time to get to this point like yeah this is no showgirls to be sure or even body of evidence just you know well even that's what you're saying not not in sexuality but in just in general and what's happened i felt like it's taken a long time to get to this place that's fair and i agree with you for the record they spent a lot of time on this in scenes that in hindsight don't really seem super important but going back to our story here you can't have leopards just biting off people's arms so john Hurd decides he's got to put a bullet in it but when he goes to the cage to do just that he finds that the leopard has vanished meanwhile back at paul's house he has done the exact opposite of that and not only has he reappeared he is going hard at his sister re her attraction to john Hurd. you want to f- him don't you you dream about f***ing him. Your whole body burns. It burns all along your nerves, in your mouth, your breasts. You go wet between your legs. Stop it! God damn, dude. This is like the third conversation they've had in 20 years. Yeah, he's going up real hard here. Like, he just shows up in a room. He even gets pretty handsy with her. He's like, sweaty as fuck also. That doesn't help. Yeah, he's saying that they're safe together and because they're the same and that they should be f***ing, like... He can't help himself. We know that this is true because they can f*** each other and not turn into jaguars. Yeah, that's what he alludes to. He doesn't really explain stuff here. It is more of a kind of vague statement, including the phrase, I'm the only one who can touch you and you're the only one who can touch me, which does imply some kind of connection, which we know involves a leopard. And I was like, maybe like a family curse, something like that. You would think so. Um, But yeah, it's really, really fucked up. I'm trying or I'm struggling right now watching it to know whether that lady in the bar like also has this. Is she related to them in some way? You've got to assume that she does, but we never hear about her again. But if there are other people who are like them, then wouldn't you like be able to have like sex adjacent to your family, not like literally your sibling? Ooh, That's a good question. Right. Like you'd much rather a cousin than a sibling. Me personally? Well, I think anyone. <laughs> My cousins and siblings are all dudes, so it's kind of a... So it doesn't matter. You know, it's all, it's all short straws. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't put that on my brother and cousins. They may not be short straws, but they're not straws that I want to stir my drink with. <laughs> but I mean, in if we're, if we're going down the incest ladder, um, being, oh, cousins being obviously a step better, away yeah. from your family is better than that. So yeah. it's interesting to me how 
he is determined that this is the way it has to be. She not being raised in this is clearly upset by his incest vibes, right? And wants nothing to do with this. So she, she flees. She denies this at first, but when she does flee, she escapes him trying to rape her with a dive off a balcony that sure looks preternatural. And here's a key giveaway for me. She lands on her feet like a cat. That is absolutely telling you that she is also a cat. <laughs> she can't admit it to herself, though, or maybe she just doesn't want to f*** her super creepy sweaty brother. I mean, either one's possible. <laughs> so she runs off into the night where some cops spot her almost immediately. They take her home, and when they get close to the building, their crime dog starts barking its ass off. So they decide they better take a look around. And what they find is a bunch of bodies in the basement. Not only that, but apparently they found a number of similar human remains over the years, and this is going to close the book on all those cases. Yeah, it turns out Paul is a serial killer. And really what that tells us is that he just can't stop f***ing. Well, why should, he, why should he have to live a sexless life just because he's going to turn into a fucking leopard? And eat people? Maybe that's why? I think, again, if you focus on criminals, it's probably okay. Is that what he was doing, though? Probably not, no. Yeah. It doesn't seem like so, it. So he is now arrested. Oh, yeah. They've figured out that he is the one who's fucking eating and mauling all of these people. 100%. And I guess now with her brother wanted for multiple murders and the housekeeper also arrested, whole place is a crime scene. So Irina's going to need a place to stay. Luckily, old John Hurd is there to offer her his guest room out of the kindness of his heart. But he makes sure before she goes to sleep to let her know that he'll be right across the hall. You know, in case she needs anything. Yeah, like a d That's a <laughs> <laughs> that is such a fucking like common move. Oh, I'll be right if you, in case you. What could you possibly need that you're knocking on the door? Pardon me, John Heard. I uh, and she needs I've some decided, warm yeah, liquids in her exactly. mouth. Oh yeah. god, damn it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah if you, he should have been putting a bowl out for her each night. Warm her up. <laughs> a bowl of milk. <laughs> so, what I'm getting from this is that a bunch of older dudes are creeping out over Natasha Kinski. Like, this is what this movie is. Are to you me. including me in that list of older dudes? Yeah, you're all about the same age. I She's think way point. older than me. Well, now, now yeah. not as the age she was in this movie. Ah, right? that's but not it, fair. It does seem like that is sort of the play here. A bunch of old guys are into her. It's weird that it feels like not a lot's happening, though. It's so it's such a strange movie so far. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to figure out where we're going. That's fair. I feel the same way. That's will come up in our ratings. Something with the pacing is just off, and I yeah. can't quite put my finger on it. And I know that they're trying to build to the time when, like, she is going to find out and become the cat. Like, they're they're definitely building towards that. But there's a lot of extra in here. So she stays over the night. Nothing happens that night. No, they do not have sex. But the next day, as they drive out into the country, he's definitely settling in with some casual touching, more flirting. They even go crabbing together. And I have to say, I have never seen waiters look sexier. John Hurd did look good. That's not what I... <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, he offers to build her a plantation at this point. He, like, he's going all in. I will admit that the shorts she was wearing while she was uh, yeah. fishing in those waders. That's were... what does it. She has just the scandalous booty shorts on, oh. and the waders are just, like, cutting up there, leaving, like, a nice little layer of skin. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm wondering, as they're heading up, if this is his f cabin. Like, I'm like, is oh, this 100%. why he takes yeah. clothes out here? That's what it is. He closes the deal, 100%. But it's weird because there's an old man waiting there when they arrive. He's like a sexual gatekeeper. <laughs> he knows. When John Hurd shows up, the guy's like, don't worry, I've uh, got everything ready for you. 
AKA I wash the sheets. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah he's got the lube and uh, <laughs> the <laughs> towels ready. Condoms are in the bedside table drawer. Yeah. yeah no problem. Yeah. He's got it already. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I don't he's know. He's a caretaker. Yeah. It's he's John Hurd's personal sexual caretaker. Anyway. <laughs> well, this all seems like it's going to pay off that night, but Irina is not ready to punch her V card. So John Hurd goes to bed unsatisfied. So does Malcolm McDowell, who somehow manages to pick up a woman at a funeral. So I don't think it was for a funeral. Because she was she's in a cemetery for one of those other reasons people go to cemeteries? Yes. Oh, cemeteries in uh. New Orleans. No, cemeteries in New Orleans like is a tourist thing. People go and visit them because they're so cool. She seemed uh. like a tourist to me. She wasn't dressed in dark garb. She wasn't there yeah. like being sad. You know what I, the police later say to you? Like probably some tourists. Yeah, okay. I think she was just All visiting right. the area and he knew that that was a place where he might find a vulnerable lady. And boy, was she vulnerable. They go back to have some sex, but it seems like he's having trouble getting aroused for the situation. Yeah, uh, at first, but then he possibly again reestablishes that weird psychic connection with his sister, and all of a sudden he's good to go. Like, Yeah, the, the lady, the tourist lady, goes down on him for a little bit, and then while that's happening, his claws come out, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we have a I transition guess. shot of his hand turning into a claw, don't we? Uh, I I'm not sure if that happens then. I mean, it happens at some point. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Probably. We see later on that Irene is having a restless night too, so she decides to take a moonlit stroll, which she does after first getting completely naked, and after basically discovering that she has predator vision, she stalks and kills a rabbit before returning back to John Hurd's cabin. Now the sound of the door wakes him up, and he reaches very slowly for the light, turns it on, and finds. An extremely naked arena with rabbit blood all over her face. A little jump scare here. Yeah, they actually work in quite a few of these towards the later half of the movie, right? Yeah. They, it was funny, like you said, predator vision. We're getting these weird POV shots. They're trying to work in a lot of sort of scary or horror movie kind of stuff. And you're right, we get the jump scare. She is horrified that he sees her. They transition away from that, though. We don't get to see the resolution of that right away, because that would have been an interesting conversation. Oh, for sure. But we do transition, like you said, speaking of being naked and bloody. Paul waking up on the bathroom floor. Been there, brother. And quickly realizes that something has gone horribly wrong, or horribly right, as he finds some gooey piece of viscera hanging off his torso and fucking eats it. Ew, this is so gross. And he looks in the mirror and eats it. It is super creepy. What could that have been? Is that her flesh? It was skin, yeah. God it was damn, straight. I didn't her know skin. what that was. And he eats it as a human, which is just like he doesn't need to do that. He's back into human form. He's already killed her, but clearly he does not care. Yeah, so I guess it's gone horribly wrong then. But he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It went horribly right for him because he gets to f and then murder the person he f so that he can move on with his life and find a new person, right? It's a real combo meal. <laughs> now, my question was going to be, do you think he turned into the panther like after the blood? Or do you think he had to have intercourse? You're really fixated on exactly what it is. I know. I need to know the answers. I don't understand. If you're the screenwriter, producer, or director of Cat People, can you please let us know whether uh, getting blown will trigger a cat transformation in the rules of this universe? Thank you. Somebody who's read the book or watched the movie from 40 years earlier. Well, the movie in the 40s didn't have fucking blood. Or incest. <laughs> How do you know? I'm sure it did. It was the 1940s. <laughs> now I'm curious. Now I want to watch that movie. Oh, God. I don't even know if we'll find that. We can fucking take a look if you want, but I'm not sure I don't want to mess that time. <laughs> the cops find the body and correctly assume, kind of, that it's the leopard. So they call in John Hurd. But I'm not sure he'd be able to focus on all this with Irina firmly on his mind, especially when he finds her trying to skip town that night. He tells her that he's in love with her. That was fast. 
And he also tells that everything's going to be okay, even though she is clearly rattled here. And if she could see her brother staring them both down from up in a tree, I'm sure she'd be even more rattled. More tree stuff. Jesus Christ. The timing, the convenience of the timing here, him arriving at the place right as she's leaving is just one of those cliches that's really frustrating. The acting in this section is brutal. It's not great. I agree. It's going really bad. And then Paul is pulling off creepy tree cat older brother shit here i mean is it possible to be in a tree as a grown-up and not seem creepy no yeah no (laughs) you're there to look in a window uh hopefully it's the window of an adult that's all i can say oh god even that's not okay the uh the next day we learn two things first they're gonna call off the search for the leopard and that john hurd is falling apart here he punches his boss in the face and mouths off to alice when she voices some very valid concerns But in classic stereotypical male fashion, he blows right past it with an overly confident, I know what I'm doing. Spoiler alert, he does not. No, he's unhinged. He's starting to fall apart here. John Hurd is losing it. I don't know if he's in love or obsessed at getting f***ed. He might be in lust. He is. I think it is. I think... Manimal lust. Maybe some of her, like, cat hormones are, like, coming off and telling him, like, maybe she's in cat heat and he just senses it and can't get away from it. That's very possible. In fact, in the next scene, there's a little conversation about this. We go to Irina reading peacefully in bed when suddenly a deranged Paul jumps through the window, shattering it into a million pieces. Irina immediately jumps into a cat defense position and they stare each other down before he drops to his knees and begs for her to save him. Only you can stop this killing. You've got to make love with me as brother and sister. We've mentioned this theory before in previous episodes, but do you think maybe the uh, screenwriters working through some stuff here or what? <laughs> or Yeah, they have to be. It seems like they are really struggling here. The part where he smashes through the window is hilarious. The, her reaction and jumping up like a cat God all those damn. times. Yeah, I laughed at that. Uh, when yeah. they start acting like cats in their human form, <laughs> um, he tells her that their parents were just like them. They were brother and sister too, right? Ugh. Like this is a family trait and... It's, yeah, it's pretty fucked up. She's not so into this idea, though. Oh, no. She tries to blow him off, but that is not the kind of blowing he's after. So he tries a new tact. He tells her that her lover isn't actually in love with her and that he really belongs with Alice, the female zoo employee. They were made for each other, see? Just like he and Irina were. She is not buying this, though, but it's a different story when he threatens to kill John Hurd. She pretends to be open to the idea as a way to get his guard down. Then she stabs him in the hand, which sadly does not lead to a full on-screen cat transformation. They kind of tease us with it, but we only get a small hand effect and some cat contact lenses in his eyes. Boo! (laughs) Yeah, I was hoping for a little bit more here. Um, It's funny because... I. I'm finding the effects really, really bad. Like, they're coming off really poorly in this movie, and I don't think it's just age. I don't think it's just time. But some of the makeup is kind of decent, right? It's like a weird mix where I feel like there's been a couple makeups that work, and then some effects that are really It's the creature effects that don't really work. Yeah. And they're also, like, keeping them from us. The fact that we see a bit of a hand, then cat eyes, and then nothing else, that to me is like, okay, they're doing this on a fucking budget. Yeah, you need to pull this off a little bit bigger to make this, like, work better. Clearly, you could do this with, like, CG today, and it would be pretty believable. Oh, you know I hate CG. I prefer, like, just some good practical effects. I would rather have practical effects, too, but I feel like that is a challenge to make someone go from animal to... Except we saw it in The Howling, and it was way fucking better than this. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, we also saw it in uh, fucking Teen Wolf. Yeah, that better or worse yeah. than Teen Wolf. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> so I don't know what she thought was going to happen after her brother threatened to kill him. But in the next scene, John Hurd returns home with Alice and goes to check on Irina. And what does he find in her room? Leopard Malcolm McDowell, who immediately attacks him. John Hurd yells to Alice to get his shotgun, which she does, shooting the leopard just as it was about to kill John Hurd. It goes flying out the window, and as the camera leans out to show us the ground below, we see Irina looking down at the seemingly dead leopard and letting out a guttural scream. Yeah, she almost has like a cat howl here. Do cats howl? No, dogs yeah, do. I was, gonna, but I was it, like, yeah. That's, that was the word that I thought best described what came out of her, because it didn't sound human, for sure. No, it did not. Now, I say the leopard is seemingly dead, because the next morning, as John Hurd is performing a leopard autopsy, a human hand seems to reach out suddenly from his chest cavity before the whole thing dissolves into a cloud of green smoke. And I have to say, up until now, I was kind of on board with this movie, but this part did not make any sense, and it really felt like it was just there to be a jump scare. I can't believe that you were on board this long. Yeah, I lasted a while. That's like an hour and a half of this thing I that know. pulled you all the way through. I was pretty into it. Holy I shit. I had trouble with these transitions, these like smoke transitions into a human. Yeah. Right? Like that to well, me. Well, this is not into a human. This is him turning into a pile of like just goo. And just gone forever? Yes. Yeah. Well, seemingly, but what happens next is extremely confusing again. Right? Because each time that we had the transition from cat to human, like after the murder had happened, we did get some goop and some steam and shit come up and then the, they disappeared, right? Like it was it was weird. I don't know where the body went. Like does he appear in his bed? Like why does he go to a new place when he comes back from that form? Well, I don't know, but he's dead, right? He is dead. I, you assume so, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, much like us trying to make sense of that last scene in our next scene, Irina pays a visit to her brother's housekeeper to try to make sense of what she is and what she should do. The housekeeper's advice is live as he did, hidden in chains, never love, pretend the world is what men think it is. And after buying a train ticket to Richmond, Irina ends up somewhere much more interesting, a fantasy desert where Paul's ghost or something explains exactly what the rules are. Yeah, this is where we get the exposition about, like, their family was created when... People like children were fed to panthers and then eventually over time, once the panthers consumed enough children, their like souls or bodies became into it and then they transformed into human creatures that only turned into cats when they f And then must murder someone afterwards to become human again. Yeah. Yeah, he lays it all out here, but I don't understand who he is or where they are or what's going on. No, this is like some kind of weird fever dream. It feels incredibly 70s. Yeah, but again, I was kind of getting sci-fi vibes from this because of the lighting yeah. and the overall kind of tone, the set design. It was it was almost futuristic, but in a way that is like of the past, like a 70s yeah. movie trying to steam futuristic. So much of this just confused the hell out of me. Now, the last thing he says to her is, you must return. And we cut to some shots of Alice out for a jog. The music is tense, and it sure seems like someone or something is watching her. We get a brief shot of Natasha Kinski. Jump scare! That's just a friendly dog, though. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's a couple here as she's running, right? She's running through this park. She goes and drinks from the most penis-shaped fountain ever created. <laughs> and then we get another jump scare from a fucking streetcar. Yeah, bus almost hits her, which apparently is a shot from the original movie where Liam's hit by a bus. So they're, they're paying a little homage with this whole sequence, I guess. Anyway, after all that running, Alice uh, must be sweaty, so she decides to take a dip in her local pool. That makes sense. What makes less sense is why she does it topless, and what makes even less sense is why Arena approaches making a bunch of jungle cat noises. Also, as soon as Alice sees Arena, she's like, you want to kill me, I know it. Why did she think that? Aren't they friends at this point? It's really fucking confusing. I don't know. Um... She is hearing sounds, like she's hearing the cat sound. She thinks there's a panther in the change room. That's why, like, I think she was changing to put on a bathing suit. Like, that was her intention. No, but she went in the pool topless. She hears sounds first while she's undressing. Bullshit. It scares her, nope. and she runs nope. and jumps she in the pool for She goes for a safety. topless swim for no fucking reason. No. Except... The director wanted her to show boobs. The boobs were already out in the change room. They just had to show her get into the bathing yeah, suit. he wanted them wet. <laughs> he wanted the reflection of boobs through water. Yeah, the director thought it'd yeah. be good for the light. It was more artsy, you know? definitely, when you saw reflected boobs, um, for sure. But, I mean, okay, so, uh, regar regardless. I, I'm defending Alice, and no, I'm right. Bullshit. But she goes for a weird topless <laughs> Okay, but regardless, Arena tells her she's just trying to find Oliver, and that's what she does arriving at his house and slowly disrobing. And I absolutely love the timing on this. Alice calls John Hurd to warn him, and she's like, should I come over? Only she asks right when Irina's starting to get undressed, and he's like, no, stay where you are. <laughs> that popped me completely. Come on. So that was funny. Yeah. Uh, we had had shots before that, though, of Alice and Oliver or John Hurd, like, kissing. They were together yeah, in they a relationship, to be in a relationship right? now, yeah. Which is why I think that Alice was afraid of Irina. She, oh, she was okay. worried that Irina was going to be mad because of that. Now, she strips, uh, and she goes on his bed, and he comes up to her, and he doesn't really seem to have any question in his mind about what's going to happen. In fact, he just says, are you scared? Yeah, that was interesting how he asked her that. It's kind of a strange thing to say to someone when you're about to take their virginity. I almost feel like it's... Not like predatory, but there's something off about it. Uh, it's predatory. Okay. <laughs> Should she be scared? That's kind of yeah, what I'm wondering. I yeah. mean, he knows what he's doing. This creepy old man is about to take her V-card. He is, is not that much gross. older than her, for the record. He might not even be older than her at all. Like a couple of years, maybe. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. He, he seems like an old man. I just think of him as Kevin McAllister's dad, and it, it seems <laughs> weird right here. <laughs> that, that would seem weird. Either way, it took the better part of two hours, but it looks like we're finally going to get some eroticism as she slowly walks up to his bed, taking off one piece of clothing at a time. After they have their are you scared conversation, other way around there, champ, they make tender, passionate love. Now, for a minute afterwards, it seems like she might not transform after all, but that is very short-lived. And we finally kind of sort of get to see the transformation from human to leopard. So this whole thing is weird, right? Because they have sex and she doesn't turn into a cat immediately. I'm kind of confused. I'm like, what the fuck's happening? Maybe it's not true. She heads off to the washroom after sex as, you know, sometimes you want to clear the area. But instead, she reaches down and pulls out a handful of blood. Yeah, where'd she pull that out of? I was not totally her clear vagina. On that. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I assume <laughs> they're like insinuating it's her virginity, her she hymen said she's blood. Been very clear about that. Yeah, she's also a much older woman. I don't think that that happens that often in women who are that. Oh, old. Oh, now she's much older. Five uh, minutes ago, John Hurd's way too fucking old for her, and now she's <laughs> the, some old well, bag with a broken hymen. Yeah, well, her hymen is broken, and she puts all of that blood in her mouth. Second grossest thing I've seen put in the mouth of this movie. The Malcolm McDowell hanging shit was way <laughs> grosser than that. That's fair. So she puts it in her mouth and then heads back to bed. 
And that's when we get this transformation, right? She's kind of on top of him, almost in like a cat-like pose, and things start happening here. What do you think of these effects? <laughs> there were moments where it was pretty good. Like there were there were makeup moments that were looking good, but the end explosion out of her body when she turns into the cat is just fucking bad. Yeah, it is an explosion. Explosion is a great word to describe it. So she's a leopard now. And that leopard jumps on John Hurd, but it doesn't kill him. Instead, it runs away after he correctly guesses that it's her. Unfortunately, just like the last time she had running away, the New Orleans PD immediately spots her. They trap Leopard Irina on a bridge, and with nowhere left to run, she jumps down into the water below. The snipers try taking a few shots, but this thing is gone. But where did it go, you ask? Only one man knows the answer to that question, and his name is John Hurd. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. We get this really weird John Hurd slow-mo drive. Yeah. It's very, very artsy. And so he's heading off into the night with this weird drive, and we know where he's headed. They're going to the f*** shack. Yeah, he correctly surmises that's where she would head. It's probably the only place in the water that she knows. And as soon as he gets there, he finds the dead body of the cabin's caretaker. Irina is waiting for him inside, and in addition to being human again, she is noticeably more confident, collected, and sexy as she asks John Hurd to kill her and end this once and for all. But he can't do that, so instead she offers this alternative. Then free me. Free me. Make love to me again. And if I was John Hurd, my pants would have been off before they could even cut back to me. It would just be... <laughs> Do you think his erection was so strong he couldn't get his pants off at that point? It was a, it was a bit <laughs> of an issue. I was wondering if the old man had set up the f*** pad in time, though. Like, maybe he hadn't known this was coming, <laughs> and they didn't have the right thing. Well, we set didn't up use it last time. Everything's probably still set up. Oh, but don't you think the old man takes them down in between those sessions? Or do you think he leaves it all up? I think he leaves it up. That's the whole reason Hurd's bringing ladies there. Ah, uh, okay, all right. So he was the ultimate wingman. He sacrificed his life so she could turn back into a human so Hurd could f*** her again. Yeah, he's the real hero of this movie, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess so. I don't think he is the person who deserved to die here, but... Uh, who deserved to die here? Heard? No, I don't know. Anyone but the poor old man who just All sets right. up the f*** shack. But he can't help himself. He gets naked and on top of her. Yeah, John Hurd takes one for the team here, or gives one for the team. But first, he ties her to the bed, presumably so that she'll already be restrained once she transforms. Or maybe just to spice things up, who knows. Yeah, that's what I didn't understand. It seemed more SNE than it did for, like, cat holding purposes. Because as she's transforming, is her shape not going to change? <laughs> I think so. If she starts shedding skin, she's getting out of those fucking ropes. He's just doing that because he <laughs> wants her immobile. He needs to be able to do what he wants She's, to she's her. into it. She's not oh, disagreeing. Oh, well, the faces she's making are not quite sure about that but i disagree completely anyway by passionately nailing her john hurd allows her to live with her own kind which we see later on as he walks by the leopard cage in the zoo where he solemnly pets her as he stares deep into her eyes and after a freeze frame we hit the credits and finally hear the full david bowie theme yeah i'm excited for the bowie theme here um i'm not excited that john hurd is a fucking monster what'd you want him to do kill her I mean, he locks her up in the cage, and then she's going to live as a cat for the rest of her that life. That was what she asked him to do. Uh, man, I don't know. Is that what she wants? She can change her mind later. I don't know. I, I had questions about it. I wasn't sure. Yeah, um, I did like that we cut there. I left it open, yeah. right? We, we had the freeze frame, which, of course, uh, you love. Well, actually, it was like a double freeze frame. Yeah, was it a plus two? So, <laughs> because it was a double freeze frame. It's so weird. I've never seen this before. They freeze frame it, and then, like, as the music builds... 
the cat starts moving again, then it freeze frames again. I don't know, but I'm not going to give it plus two, but I was like, it's so interesting to me. Well, I actually felt like the double freeze frame was like completely in sync with the big payoff in the song. Yes. Right? Like they only did it so that they could really hit the Bowie song in the right place and then stop again, which I thought was cool. I like that they went out like that. It made sense to me. It was kind of a neat way to end, and then we head out into those credits. Yeah, and the David Bowie theme song takes us all the way to the end. And I found myself sitting there at the end of this just kind of dumbfounded, which has happened a few times in the movies we watched in this podcast. I wasn't sure what to make of this or how to feel or where I was. or you know, I just I was like very strange. Yeah, this one definitely left me pondering, too. I was like, what was this? Why was it made? What genre was this? Was it sexy? I feel pretty confident saying it was sexy. It took a really long time to get there, though. Like it did, you, and that's, yeah. You had to sit through an hour and 45 minutes of movie to get to the sexy part. Some people say the anticipation is the best part. Yeah, I guess so. I don't. For me, it's the f***ing. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, as long as we're talking about what we liked and don't, didn't like, we should probably transition here to our ratings. The way we always do this, we rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. 1 to 10 for how bad it is, 1 to 10 for how enjoyable, and the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or what we call the Crit 20. Like I said, I was kind of on board with this movie before the autopsy. In fact, I was sort of thinking this would get one of my lower bad scores because it seemed really interesting. But then we get that insane jump scare followed by the desert fantasy sequence, and that's like where they lost me. I mean, I know this is not exactly a realistic premise, but it was at least grounded in a real world until that happened. Instead of having that weird fantasy sequence where he explains everything to her, why not have him do that when he's still alive? Or have the housekeeper do it when Irina comes to see her in jail. Like, there's ways to do it that make more sense, you know? Now, the characters, for me, really a mixed bag. Nastasia Kinski is great in this, but that's kind of it. Like, Malcolm McDowell is trying his best, but he doesn't really have a lot to work with here. It's a thin part. John Hurd is kind of bland, but I sort of feel that way about all his performances. I don't remember him ever having a standout role. He plays a great dad. Yeah, he's just a guy. He's just a dude. I don't know. Uh, And like we already said, I felt like the pacing was really off. Like they waste very little time before we get into the Malcolm McDowell Leopard stuff that we said, but it still feels like things were moving very slowly. But meanwhile, the characters' relationships with each other seem to be progressing really fast, but then kind of nothing happens for a while. Plus this thing is two hours, which it did not need to be. So uh, overall, it held my interest and parts were suitably creepy, but there are enough issues with it. I'm going to give it a seven bad. I, this one was really interesting to me. I, it, it made me question a lot. It made me wonder what this idea was, right? I mean, we kind of shit on the kind of stuff that's made today because it's all so run of the mill. So it's, well, it's also all remakes and this is a fucking yeah. remake. So, well, yeah, that's true too, right? It wasn't even an original idea. It seems kind of like an original idea because it's so fucked up, but you're right. It was a remake. I thought the execution was poor. I didn't like that. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand what kind of movie I was watching. I thought the delivery of any serious lines was was really, really bad. The creepiness of a couple characters was pulled off fine, but everything else I thought was pretty under-executed, even though, like, decent actors. The pace, I thought, was really fucked up, too. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that for sure. I thought the effects were not very good, and I didn't find it particularly sexy. <laughs> I was trying. To, I was trying yeah. to compare it to the other uh, sexy movies. That we sexy watched. movies we'd watch. Yeah, your Showgirls, your Body of Evidence, your Blame It on Rio. <laughs> 
that last one you included was the least sexy of the ones we've watched, I think, only because Michael Caine banging a teenager makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't know what the reverse of an erection is, but that's what it does to me. <laughs> this one this one wasn't a reverse erection, but I won't say that it was uh, as good as probably the other two we watched. I think they were probably a little more titillating for me than this one. Okay, so but overall, how bad do you have it? I had it as a nine. That's fair. Yeah, nine. But it wasn't ten. There was quite a bit of craft inserted. I just didn't feel like it was inserted in an effective way. Yeah, I know what you mean. As you mentioned, some parts were pretty artsy, but one of the most artsy pieces was the fantasy part. I'm like, what the fuck is this doing here? Like that, it was, yeah. Yeah, so there was, I had a lot of questions about this, so I, I had it at a nine. Okay, well, how enjoyable did you find on a scale of one to ten? So I laughed quite a bit. Not intentionally so, because it's not supposed to be funny, but I laughed every time that they did cat moves and they were in human form. I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, some of the effects were definitely laughable. The jump scares made me laugh too. Um, <laughs> I liked the music and the mood that was set. The tone was done pretty well. Um, I didn't dislike the Alice character. I thought she brought a little bit to the movie. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, the the cute like girl next door, right? The the one who loves animals and tries to help everyone instead of the one who f***s to turn into animals. You know, um, it's not her fault. She's cursed a family curse. Yeah, it's like she's doing it on purpose. Well, then she should have just f***ed her brother. I don't know. Oh God, <laughs> what? <laughs> it would have been the best for everyone else if her and her brother just stayed together, and then nobody else had to fucking die. It's, I can't get on board with this. This is one of your hottest takes ever. <laughs> <laughs> is not that not the best solution to this whole movie? It took 87 episodes, but we finally got Noel firmly casting his lot with incest. <laughs> no, that took is not what I'm saying. I am down on incest, but I am up you're on... Like you're down with incest is what it sounds no, like. No, no. Yeah. I am for these two people because it'll prevent them from having sex with anyone else and turning into cats and murdering. Yes. But you don't have to murder it. She turns into a cat at the end and stays a cat. She doesn't. He's definitely feeding her people so he can f*** her in that cage. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. all of that said, my enjoyability for it was a six. That's pretty low, man. I mean, the only thing that's kind of unfair is it had me thinking. And I do yeah. appreciate that. Um, yeah, I've, I've rated in the past based on if I've seen a movie that's kind of unique. If I've never seen that before, kind of thought about that. That for me, like having seen so many movies, that for me is it, there's something there's value to it. And this was a little bit of that. Um like I said, it kept my interest. A large part of that could be Nastasia Kinski because although I knew the name, I don't know if I'd ever seen her in a movie before and I could not take my eyes off her. Not in a pervy way. Like I legit feel like she gives a good performance here. Uh, and sure, she's objectively appealing. But some of that is the part too, right? The character is supposed to be fundamentally sexy. Yes. There's complete silence. Fuck you. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, 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 here's something. I have no idea if this is actually filmed there, but I love New Orleans as a setting mm. for anything. Like the, the landscapes, the geography, that style of architecture, that city in general just seems to have a feel that really translates well to movies and TV, you know? Uh, I definitely back that. I, I think that that's a place, one of the few places in the United States that I've never been that I would love Me to go. Me neither, yeah. Right? Like that is a place that has a history and just a curiosity about it that is really, really cool. I love the food style of there. Yes. I like the music. Yeah. I think that that would be a place I enjoy. So I actually wish there was more of that. I know that I complained mm. about how slow the start of it it was before we got to stuff but the new orleans parts were actually the parts i liked the best when she's kind of exploring the city yeah find, yeah yeah i really like that part of it other than the like creepers on the bus giving her weird vibes but yeah, I we didn't the... mention that that was extremely Ooh. creepy yeah yeah um love the theme song wish it happened sooner or more often was not a fan of the runtime like i mentioned overall though i like this and i will definitely watch it again i'm gonna go firm with that i had it as an eight enjoyable but as you know because of the freeze frame <laughs> 
that automatically adds an extra enjoyment point for me. So it will end up as a nine. Holy shit. Well, we're a bit apart here. That happens sometimes. I mean, you're going to watch it again. Yes. I'm questioning whether you'll have pants on that watch. I actually, on, I didn't man. ask you if you had them on for this watch. I so did. Sure. Okay. We did not watch this one together. Thank God. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But uh, overall, interesting if nothing else. Oh, yeah I, yeah. I do not regret watching it. Like, it was kind of a neat uh, experience. I just wish it was a little bit sexier and a little more coherent for me. Those are uh, two elements that I could have done with being ratcheted up as well, for sure. How'd you feel about this beer, though? Uh, it was good. It was easy to crush. Uh, I don't know. It was sort of like Natasha Kinski. It was like a little bit nondescript for me. Felt like other pilsners I'd, it's an I'd seen. Unbelievable had. statement. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I did enjoy it, and I would definitely try some other beers from uh, from our friends there. Yeah, I took one sip of this and was just like, "I'm home. This is great." I think this might be my favorite pilsner that I've had from the beers we've tasted, possibly even like ever. It's really enjoyable. Holy shit, that is very. Oh high man, price. it was. I thought it was fucking delicious. Um, I'm a big pilsner guy, and yeah. this checked a lot of boxes for me. Like I said, first sip, and I was all in. So yeah, the, from the fan. from the pilsner expert, that is a big, big high praise there. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, if you are in the auto area and you can get over to the Kitchissippi, yeah, you got it, Kitchissippi Brewing Co. Yeah, I would definitely recommend trying this if you like pilsners sounds like themselves cool as well and like we said at the top uh ottawa just a burgeoning craft beer scene so lots to see and do and taste there beautiful now next week we are i think a little overdue for this it's been a while and we talked about uh the way this movie ends with nastasia kinski trapped in cat form in that cage in the zoo Next week, we're going to be trapping ourselves. It's time to get back into the cage. Nick Cage? That's right. Fuck yes. We're going to be watching National Treasure 2. <laughs> we're going big budget. We're going fairly recent. Oh, damn. Um, okay. I love a good Nick Coppola movie. Um, I actually watched recently the first one with my children. Okay. And enjoy it. Oh, gosh. All right. Yeah. So this might be interesting. Like, I might be on the outside on this one, but I, I might like this movie. Full disclosure, I've never seen it. Uh, it's got Nick Cage. That's strike one. It's a sequel. That's strike two. Uh, but maybe, it, maybe who knows? Maybe it will get on base with a fantastic plot, and I will feel like a fool like when I made us watch Top Gun. You never know. <laughs> that was a bit of a bogey. I ate shit on that one. Days of Thunder would have been a better call, but that's all right. It's good. We're going to try. Days of Thunder might be in our future. You never know. Ah, I like it. There you go. Um, National Treasure 2 next week. Absolutely. That'll be next. And if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BMB podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, if you want to send us an email, thebnbpodcast at gmail.com. And we actually are starting to post, or not even starting, we've been posting our episodes on YouTube. Feel free to listen there as well. Throw us a like or a subscribe, and we'd appreciate that. Yeah, do that wherever you listen to us. Like, share, subscribe, give us a rating. That always helps. And spread the good word. And we thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Your brother. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> An erotic fantasy about the animal in us all. <laughs>